welcome all of you that are joining by live stream. You're a vital part of our gathering here. Praise God. We greet you in the name of Jesus. We invite you to get your Bible, lay aside other things that are distracting you, and, and connect in with what the Word is coming at you to give you and impart into you. Amen. So we appreciate all those of you like and, and uh, you know, comment down there below the, the live streaming and subscribe to our YouTube channel and, you know, post things on there, send it to somebody, hit the bell, hit the, hit the thumb, hit something, <laughs> smash all the bells, thumbs and everything you can find. All right. But let us know you're watching. Tell us what God's doing for you. We hear so many good reports. Oh, I got a good report from just through the mail the other day. You want to hear a good report? Yeah. We were in, uh, I think this was in January in California. Uh, this individual may be watching. They have two hours delay here. But uh, there was an individual that, and this, I'm, I'm shortening this testimony quite a bit because of time, but it was like a four-page testimony, which I appreciated all the details. I just don't have the time to share them all with you. But basically, there was, uh, I think through the, I don't know if they actually got the vaccine or what happened, but through the COVID, COVID shutdown, <laughs> Um, they somehow contacted a autoimmune condition through some, some, I don't know how it all happened, but anyway, and all their hair, this is a lady, all their hair fell out. And that's like right up there next to, uh, you know, losing an arm, you know, (laughs) but anyway, uh, this individual at the time didn't have a lot of knowledge of healing and so forth. And they started pursuing natural methods and they were praying, but they just didn't have a real strong foundation in the word. And I think they, they, they knew some things, but not real strong in the word. And they were seeking out some medical help and everything. And the doctors finally, through all the tests, figured out it was a condition that they couldn't cure with medicine. So one, one, I don't know about all that, but it was an autoimmune condition. And so, but, uh, and, and, but one day as she was scrolling through the internet, she came across Pastor, one of Pastor Nancy's uh, broadcasts. And she listened to it and started getting hooked on the, the teachings that she was hearing. Found out about the uh, January Holy Ghost meetings back here at the beginning of this year and decided to come. And during the service that Pastor Nancy always calls out ministers and says, how's God use you? Come up here and just minister to the people. Uh, uh, she called me out, including in that particular service, other ministers. And uh, I called out the autoimmune thing, that the, the conditions that God uses us to minister to. Uh, there's others as well. Um, but anyway, uh, and this lady came forward and she had not, you know, her hair, she went completely bald. But she, I mean, we ministered to her and her hair started growing back instantly. And she was healed of that condition. And she kept feeding on the word and, and uh, it, kept, it kept her strong. And then eventually, when it was time for her to go back to work, her hair started falling out again. And, uh, but she had, was getting enough of the word in her. And she kept hearing us refer, and Pastor Nancy referred to Brother Hagin. And so she decided, well, I'm going to start listening to him too. And she, the first one she heard was the authority she had to say no to, to uh, you know, repeat. How many of you know when Satan tries to put things back on you? How to say no to the counterattack. And Brother Hagin always said, you know, people say sometimes, I thought I was healed. I guess I wasn't. And he said, that's basically accepting what Satan's trying to bring back. And she realized what she was doing. And boy, she got a hold of the word. And she said, you're not putting that back on me. And she's got all her hair today. Praise the Lord. That's a good testimony. Amen. So we love those of you watching by live stream. And we know God's ministering to you just like all of us. Praise the Lord. Let us know what God's doing for you. If you brought your Bible open to the book of Hebrews this morning, the fifth chapter, 
And uh, we'll start here. Yea, where we end up, no man knoweth. But Hebrews chapter number 5 and verse number 13. Are you open to getting something out of the Word this morning? Hebrews chapter number 5. And we're going to look at verse number 13. He said, and there's a lot to this in the context, but I'm going to just read verse 13. To everyone that uses milk, everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. We were in Denison last Sunday, and God had me. He changed my sermon. I did the Sunday morning, Pastor Debbie did the Sunday night. And he changed my sermon Saturday night. I had a direction I was really, really wanting to go. Believed I was going to go, but he totally changed my sermon. And uh, he had me minister on getting over your past. And I, that, that service just keeps stirring in me and keeps stirring in me. And I kept thinking, man, I, 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 and I was feeding on it more and feeding on it more and getting more. Uh, somebody asked me after Wednesday night, you got more on that? Because I was preaching on a fence. I said, there's always much more. There's always... <laughs> but, you know, we just got to be led from service to service. I mean, let's just get a hold of what's already being preached. Then we'll go on to get some more. <laughs> but, um, but this subject is, uh, I don't know. When I, when I, this was something, when I, when I say this subject, I'm talking about righteousness. What is righteousness? Is God dealing with you as if sin never existed? You know, when a baby's born, we don't think of them as having a past. And when you got born again, you don't have a past. Your past is gone. Well, I've missed it since that time. Yeah, and 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you, what? From all, all what? Unrighteousness. Cleanse you from it. That means you're to have no sense of guilt or any sense of unworthiness or any, any lack of boldness to come into his presence. None. Zero. If he cleansed you of all of it, we're to have zero sense of not being accepted in the presence of God. Or, or not having the, uh, the not, not being worthy to receive all his blessings. The greatest need of every human on the planet is forgiveness. And actually, the New Testament went even further than that. It went into remission of sins. Remission of sins, men, they don't even exist. You know, forgiveness, okay, we forgive it, but it's still over here. Remission means it's gone. It's wiped out. It's like a, like a minister friend of mine. He had a, a criminal background before he came back to God and got saved, came back to God. Uh, and, and in his criminal background, he had been, he had murdered. He had done a lot of things. But, and he's in prison for life, you know, and he's up for parole in the month of none, you know. He looked at his sheet and it says, up for parole in the month of none. He's, he's just, in other words, they threw away the key on him. But he began to realize he had a call of God on his life and began to realize in order to fulfill that, I got to get out of here. And so not, not break out kind of get out, but, but I got to believe and I can have what I say. So he started believing God for, for a pardon or something. And he got completely pardoned to where he had all his rights restored back to him, the right to vote, the right to, the right to bear arms. And if you go into his record right now, it doesn't even exist because it was a sponge from the record. 
He wasn't just forgiven. Yeah. It, was, it was wiped out. Yes. Wiped out. It doesn't exist yeah. anymore. But it is also forgotten. Isaiah 43, go over there. Isaiah 43 tells us this. Oh, my, 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 my. We got to meditate in this, feed on this. Look at Isaiah 43, 25 through 26. This is God talking. I, even I, am he that, look at this, blots out thy transgressions. He didn't just forgive it. Forgiveness is part of this. Don't misunderstand me. But there's more to this than just forgiveness. He said, I am he that blots out thy transgression. In other words, it doesn't exist anymore. Why did he do that? Because for, he said, for mine own sake, not even for your sake. You and I got a great benefit out of that. But he didn't even say it was for our sake. He said, I'm doing it for my sake. Why did he say for my sake? Because he can't bless us whenever there's sin. So he said, I blotted out your transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sin. Aren't you glad he doesn't, he doesn't do like some people say they're doing. Well, I forgive you, but I won't forget it. You know, that's not true forgiveness. That's really not forgiveness at all. But, but people try to do that. They say, I'll forget that. I mean, I'll forgive you of that, but I'll never forget it. In other words, they're just holding it back here behind their back and they're ready to use it anytime they need to. You know, yeah, well, I, I'm not going to do that for you because you, you, you yeah. dissed to me and you, you know, it's gonna, they're going to use it as a weapon to hit you with. That's not forgiveness. But he said, I will not remember thy sin. Notice, I will not. That's his choice. His will is involved here. He has chosen. You know, you can choose to forgive and to forget. You might historically remember that it happened, but you're not, it's not affecting that relationship now, and it's not affecting your, how you're receiving now. You know what I'm talking about? It's not affecting the way you interact with that person. It's as if it doesn't exist anymore. I blot out thy transgressions for my own sake, will not remember thy sin. Then he said this, put me in remembrance. Well, he's not telling us to put him in remembrance of our sin. Because he already said he's blotted that out and he, he forgot it. Here's a little key. If he forgot it, don't bring it up anymore. Don't bring it up anymore. I remember one time I told this story in Denison. There was a situation where I had, I had not been kind and I, I wasn't kind with my words and I had to go repent and I did. I repented of it. Forgive me. I'm sorry. That's not the, I shouldn't treat you that way. That's not respect for you, not love for you, you know, so forth. Just because how many of you know the Bible says, uh, if we're, First John 1, 9, if, we're, uh, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There is a place for uh, confession whenever we know we've done wrong. Yes, sir. And confession of sin there in First John 1, 9, that's written to the believer. He said, I've written unto you, and he's talking to believers. And so he said, if you confess it, he's faithful and just. There's a place for, for confession of sin, but not, the Bible never mentions holding fast the confession of sin. It says, hold fast the confession of faith. In other words, once you've acknowledged it and confessed, I was wrong, forgive me, whether it's to somebody else or to God. Forgive me. And, 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 and listen, attached to that confession is humility. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
yes, is, is, uh, is really uh, repentance yes, and turning from it. Yes. And so uh, when he says confession, he's, that's all included. Some people just act like, well, I know I'm wrong, but you, just should, be, you should bless me anyhow, God. That's kind of cocky. Uh, a little bit of humility will help you a whole lot. <laughs> In fact, a lot of humility will help you. But, uh, but that doesn't mean that we live beat down for the rest of our lives over that or even for the rest of the day. He didn't say hold fast the confession of sin. The only one to hold fast is to let us hold fast the confession of our faith. Once you've got that cleared up, once you've got that dealt with, you've humbled yourself, repented and turned from it. God said, I will not remember that. I forgive, I forget, and I sponge it from the record. It's as if it doesn't exist. All that's left, if that is gone, the only thing left is righteousness. He said, confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If all unrighteousness is cleansed, then the only thing left is righteousness, which is, which is the ability to stand before God as if that never happened. As if it never happened. That's the greatest act of faith you can, you can muster is to stand back in the rights and privileges of your righteousness after you've missed it. And one of the big things you and I have got to do is forget it ourselves and forgive ourselves. That's where we got to deal with the things is ourselves. But I was, I had, I had spoken wrong to this person. I got it right and repented and I went to the Lord and repented and said, Lord, forgive me. And uh, went to bed with good fellowship with the Lord. But the next day, I was, I was just saying, Lord, that was terrible the way I acted. And, you know, how many of you know, we believe, we call ourselves word people, but sometimes we're not acting in line with yeah. the word. Yeah. And I said, Lord, yeah. remind me what that was. I was getting ready in the morning, you know, shower and shave and all that. Yeah. And, and, and I said, remind me. I said, I don't want to ever do that again. I remember that I had done, done something, but, you know, I'd slept between then. and yeah. <laughs> I said, remind me. I don't want to ever act that way again. And... and uh, and I dip down into my spirit to, to pull up. I'm used to dipping down whenever I need an answer from God. I'm used to dipping down and pulling it up. And I, and I was trying to remember, and I got busy and was, got my mind on something else. And then, and then I remembered, Lord, remind me what that was again. I don't want to ever forget because I don't want to act that way. Anybody want to? If you've ever missed it, that, that, you want that to be the last time you did that, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I dipped and there was no, nothing and I forgot about it again. And the third time I said, Lord, you're not, re I said, remind me, I'm dipping down. I'm not looking for it. He said, this is what he said to me. He said, how am I supposed to remind you of something that I forgot myself? Oh, I thought I was a word man. What an answer. But notice, I'm dipping into my spirit to get an answer from the Holy Spirit, and neither the Holy Spirit nor my spirit had any record of it. That's Hebrews chapter number 10, where it says, well, let's, 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 oh, where is that verse? Hebrews, where's that verse that he tells the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh? How much more? That's a big, that's three big words right there. How much more? How much more? 
shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, maybe it's a different chapter than, uh, through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Look at this. Purge your conscience. Purge your conscience. Everybody's got paper Bibles, computers. Computers used to be the dominant Bible here, you know. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 14. 9, 13. Thank you, sir. Hebrews 9, 13. If the blood of bulls and goats. See, that's talking about the Old Testament blood of animals. Purge their flesh. How much more? How much more? Shall the blood of Christ. Praise God. Do what? Purge. That means wash it. That means, that means get, get the uh, scrubbing bubbles out. You know what I'm talking about? That's right. Purge your conscience. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In other words, he clean all the, all the dead works, all the sinful works. That your, the blood of Jesus purges your conscience, which is the voice of your spirit, and your spirit doesn't even remember it. Your mind might remember something, but you, you're not to live with an awareness of it. And I'll be honest with you, you ought to go ahead and wash it out of your mind too with the knowledge of your righteousness. And you should live with no sense of it. Other people might remember and try to hold it on over your head, but God will never hold it over your head. And you and I are to live with our heads up. Yes, we are. Come on, somebody. Come on. Now, condemnate. No man can come boldly to God whenever he's listening to that hounding voice of condemnation that keeps telling you how wrong you are. The Bible said there are many voices in the world. Condemnation is one of the voices that people deal with more than any other. And uh, there needs to be a good fight of faith in this area, just like in other areas. In other words, we're to be learning, we learn to answer these thoughts, these feelings. How many of you know the enemy will not just bring thoughts, he'll bring feelings to try to reinforce that thought and make you feel like it's true. Yes, so we, we're to fight the good fight of faith in this area, just like every other area, where these thoughts or feelings or suggestions of guilt are dealt with and answered, just like thoughts of failure and financially or, or sickness or something like that. In fact, going to God for healing or any other blessing, many times you're going to have to take these kinds of verses with you. Uh, Thy sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And many more, which we'll see how many we can get into here today. Because when you go, remember Hebrew, uh, uh, Roman, uh, not Hebrews or Romans, Revelation, verse number 12, I believe it's uh, chapter number 12, verse number 11, I believe. It talks about the accuser of the brethren there. He accuses them before our God night and day. And then the Bible said they overcame him. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's right. They overcame him in the context is that accuser. Notice who accuses you before your God night and day. How prevalent is this? It happens night and day. If you pay attention to how the enemy's trying to work on you, he's working on you, or he's trying to work on you in this area day and night. Day. He, this is the big one. 
If he can get a sense of, un- this is the greatest enemy of faith that you can have. Yes, that will ever come against you is a sense of unworthiness, guilt, or shame for over, your, over your past. Yes. Which means I'm not worthy of any of the blessings of God right now. Which totally grabs the rug under your faith and just jerks it out. Yes, it all your confidence falls down in a heap. We all know what we're talking about. But there's a remedy for that. It's called faith in the blood. Faith in the blood. Amen. And so whenever I went to the Lord, I said, remind me. He said, how am I supposed to remind you of something I forgot myself? But not only did did God forget it, my spirit was cleansed of any sense of it whenever I repented and applied the blood and put some faith in that blood. Amen. Amen. I was dipping, trying to get it to come yes, up. Yeah. You might think that, well, certainly you remember. I, I'm not one of those kinds of guys that just remembers a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that's why when people come up to me and they, they'll bring up something that they did in the past, I'll be, many times I'll, I'll just stand there, look, look, listen to them, and I'll, I'll be, many times I'll be thinking to myself, I'm trying to remember what they did. Because I don't think about it. It'll do you a lot of good to do that. Forgive people. Forget it. Forgive yourself. Forget it. It's past. It's gone. You can't do anything about it. Acknowledge it. Repent. That's a big part of repent or, or, you know, confessing it too is acknowledging it. Many people don't want to acknowledge it. Well, bless God. I'm not wrong. You know what I'm talking about? But, But acknowledge it. That's part of humility is acknowledging when you're wrong. But we don't live there where we're just talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. If we would stop talking about it and it's not, if we would stop talking about it, we would stop bringing it into today. People keep talking about it and the awareness of it. Listen, when we talk about righteousness, consciousness, in other words, living conscious of righteousness, we're talking about living with a revelation of righteousness. And what we mean when we say revelation, if you have a revelation of something, it has, it, 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 brings you into an awareness of it. When you have revelation, that is the dominant thing you're aware of. Does that make sense? You're not aware of the sin. You're you're aware of the blood. You're you're conscious of that. In other words, that's what's standing before you all the time. The hounding voice of condemnation comes from out here. The accuser of the brethren. He accuses them before our God night and day. Notice that before our God. Before, in other words, when you go before your God, the enemy goes before God. He goes with you. Why? Because he's going to, when you're going there to obtain, remember, become boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain. You're going there to obtain, but he'll go there and say, see, he's, this is a classic court scene is what it is. It's, you ever seen a court a document, a, a, a show that, that, you know, portrays a court scene? Where there's an accuser, you know, there's a defense attorney, there's a judge, and there's an accused. Somebody's being accused of a crime. And when you go before God, you're going before the righteous judge of all the earth. And you have an attorney for the defense. His name is Jesus. But you also have an accuser. His name's Satan. And you're the one he's accusing, and he's going to go and he'll say, oh, you, God's not going to do that for you. You know how often you've messed up. In fact, let me just remind you of yesterday. Remember, remember, remember? And he'll, he'll push play, and he's got a video, and he'll push play. That's right. 
and he likes to play things. He records. The demons walk around and follow you, and they record. And you sin, they record. Catch that. Oh, we caught him. We caught him. And he'll, he'll just keep replaying that back to you. And he'll say, you remember when? Play. Watch this. <laughs> That's what they do. They record, and they remind. They remind. I can sense some of us think that we are all there and we're all that in this area when we're not. We're not. Maybe some of you have come back to zero. You're not under the water on this area, but you're back to zero. Why don't you go all the way? <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, when he said he accuses us before our God, when we go to obtain, Satan goes to say, oh, he's not, God's not going to do that for you. In fact, you remember your, and what he's trying to do is undermine your confidence. He's trying to pull the rug out from under your faith. Amen. Hallelujah. So go back to Isaiah 43, thy sins and iniquities, uh, here, he's talking about, my, for, I'll, I'll block them out, thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. The New Testament says in, what is it, the 10th chapter of Hebrews, verse number, what is it, 16, I think, 17, yeah, 17, it talks about thy sins and iniquities will I remember no more. What a gift. You want to give somebody a Christmas gift, give them that. Package it in a bow, a little letter that says, you know how I keep bringing up your past? I'm giving you a gift today. I'm stop. I'm not going to bring your past up anymore. They're going to click their heels and dance all over the living room, you know? Amen. Thy sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Here he said, I will not remember thy son. Back in Isaiah 43. Then he said, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. Somebody here have the Amplified real close? I, I had it here somewhere, but it'd be easier to. Verse number 20. Put me in remembrance. Remind me of your merits. Let us plead and argue together. In other words, one set forth your case, it says, that you may be justified, proven right. Notice, um, put me in remembrance, remind me not of your sin, remind me of your merits. Well, he's not talking about everything we've done right. He's talking about the merits that the blood gave us. Now, you can plead, the, the Holy Ghost will give you things to plead yeah. where, Lord, I obeyed you in that. Yeah. Yeah. And you have the right to claim yes, the willing and obedient yes. need to go to the land. But yeah. right on the other hand, uh, the merits, your merits are much larger over in the arena of the blood yes, than yes. the arena of what you've done right. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so don't limit yourself. Hallelujah. And besides that, when, once you get to the end of verse number 25, this is in Isaiah, 50, Isaiah 43, when you get to the end of verse number 20, 
5. You don't have any more sin. If you don't have any more sin, all you have left is merits. So that's what he's telling you to put, yeah. put him in remembrance of. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. So remind him of what? Remind him of your merits. Once he's forgotten your sin, he offers you the precious gift of filling in his blank memory. He said, I forgot it. Now, what are you going to remind me of? Oh, I'm just so guilty. I'm just I'm so, I'm so wrong. That, he doesn't remember that. So he offers you the precious gift of filling in his blank memory. Remind him of what the blood has done for you. Remind him of your righteousness and the blessings that it has secured for you. Hallelujah. Oh, I just don't know. I've missed it so often. I don't know how many blessings are left. Listen, if it, see, that's why you needed a Savior. All right. If, if any of us were going to get anything because of all our merits, ain't none of us getting anything from God. You can just chalk that up as a failure right there. Oh, dear God. I know we all clean up good and look good in church. And everybody looks like all that in a bag of chips, you know. Well, hallelujah. Thank God for the blood. You know, God wants you and I to have days of heaven on earth. But... You can't let condemnation from the devil steal you of that right. or rob you of that. Yeah. Right. Don't let him get in there and say, well, you know, you got to live less than or have less than or live beneath the, 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 the full privileges because of how often you've missed it and so forth and so on. Yeah. Don't accept that. Right. Fight. Yes. 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 I don't mean fight the devil. I mean answer those things. Yes. Get, your, get your mind and your spirit so saturated in the, the word of righteousness that it becomes pickled in it. I got to say it in ways that people get it. You know what I'm talking about? You know what a pickled is? I mean, it just gets all soaked in there to where the flavor goes all the way in through the whole, the whole pickle. <laughs> That's the way you need to become in the word of God, in the word of righteousness. Okay, now. In order to address that, go back here to the Second Corinthians. We're going to look at this a little deeper here when it says uh, in Hebrews 5, verse number 13. Remember what it said? For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. You're going to 2 Corinthians 10, right? Or did I tell you? Maybe I didn't tell you. 2 Corinthians 10. This verse is telling us to become skillful in the word of righteousness. What is that? Now, first of all, let's just think about a few things the Bible says. The Bible says, they, Romans 5, 17, they that receive abundance of grace, notice this, and the gift of righteousness. 
Righteousness is a free gift. Okay, it's given freely at the new birth, right? Then 2 Corinthians 5, what is it, verse 17, if, uh, God has made him to be sin for us, that's verse 21 actually, uh, made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of the greatest saint that ever lived. No, the righteousness of God. This gift of righteousness is the first class version. This is no economy class righteousness. It's top shelf. Top shelf. The highest kind there is in the universe. But, but, but I'm not. I know myself. I, I live with myself. I know, I know how often I've messed up and so forth and so on. You're knowing yourself after the flesh, and you're not knowing yourself through the blood. You're not knowing yourself through Christ, in Christ through the blood. You're knowing yourself based on the memory of your past. And that's to be, that's to be washed out. You can't wash out. Now listen to me. You can't wash. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But look here what it says that we're to become skillful with the word of righteousness in Hebrews 5.13. In other words, skillful, you can't become more righteous. You're already made the righteousness of God. That's the highest righteousness that there is. How are you going to become more righteous than that? That's your new creation nature. That's who you are. Not, not, not in your mind, but as your mind is renewed to that, you can then answer these feelings and these suggestions and these thoughts of anything less than that. That tells you you're anything less than the righteousness of God. Sometimes people say, well, God would do it for Jesus, but I don't know about me. How many of you know you have the same righteousness as Jesus? You're on a level field. You're on a level plane. You're on equal territory. Now, that sounds like heresy to some people. We're not talking about our flesh. We're talking about the new nature of our yes. spirit, yes. Amen. which we're to live out of. Yes. While we're on this, let's just think about that. Remember uh, second, uh, 1 Corinthians, where is it? 1 Corinthians 15, 34. You write that down. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 15, 34. Make sure I got that right. I think that's the right verse. Let me quote it, and I think this is what it says. This, I mean, this, this is what the verse says that I'm thinking of. I think this is the right verse. It says, awake to righteousness. Yes. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness. Now notice this. And sin not. Some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In other words, some don't have the knowledge of righteousness that came through faith, not through works. Now, listen what he said, awake to righteousness and sin not. You know, most people read that verse or their doctrine is, is, is out of the reverse standard version of that verse. Right. 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 He said, awake to righteousness and sin not. Most people say, stop sinning yeah. and then you're righteous. That's not what he said. He said, wake up to the fact you are already made the righteousness of God and that will help you to stop sinning. I sin all I want. Just got an announcement. Your pastor has an announcement to make. I sin all I want. I just don't want to anymore. 
because I live out of this and, and down here I don't want to anymore. Right. That's not his nature. Amen. Some of you just breathe a great sigh of relief, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> now, awake to righteousness. And now go to Romans. We're, I got something here I got to get to here in 2 Corinthians. I know you're holding your thumb in chapter 10, but go to Romans chapter number 10. This all came while I was driving to church this morning. I mean, these last few verses here. Romans chapter 10, verse number, well, if you start in verse number one, he said, I have a desire. How does he say that all Israel be saved? How does he say that? Israel, that they be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Now, what's the next verse say? They being ignorant. What are they ignorant of? They, 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 they are, have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So what are they lacking knowledge in? They being ignorant of what? Righteousness. In other words, God's kind. This is the, the, new, the, new, the new covenant kind. They being ignorant of God's righteousness are going about to establish their own righteousness. If you don't know about the highest kind, then you're going to work to earn something that God already gave you as a gift. They being ignorant of God's righteousness, and even believers can be ignorant of this. They being ignorant of God's righteousness, this has been applied through faith in the blood. You were made righteous. You didn't earn it. You were made it. He made him to be sin for us and knew no sin that we might be made. The righteousness yeah. of God yeah. made that. Yeah. Yeah. When I was born again, I came out righteous. That's yeah. right. Amen. Just like when I was born of my mother's womb, I came out a man or a male. That's right. When I was born again, I came out righteousness. Amen. That's my new nature. That's my spiritual. I was, old, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, he said, they being ignorant of God's righteousness have gone about to establish their own righteousness. Now listen, and have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Is that how it says it? Yes, it does. Have not submitted themselves what? To the righteousness of God. This takes humility to accept his as a gift. There's pride in earning it. I can boast if I have done everything right, I can boast in my own righteousness. But in receiving his as a gift because I couldn't live up to his righteousness, that takes humility. It takes acknowledgement that I can't do this in myself. No man can. The law was a seven, seven foot measuring stick to measure a six foot man. He never quite measured up. He never quite, the, the law was perfect, the Bible says. Really, the law, one of the purposes of the law was to show man his need of a Savior and his need of a new nature. It showed him he had a nature of sin. He couldn't stop sinning. Oh, we, we, all, we all went through cycles before. Uh, maybe people are still doing this today. Well, okay, by, by my own willpower, I'm not going to do that again. And they're all excited about it for 24 hours. Right. Yeah. 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 
He didn't say do that. He said awake to the righteousness of God. Awake to this God-given gift that you, he made you. This, this is your nature now. And then really the way we live clean is because we live out of that nature. There's a whole lot more we could get out of that. But go to 2 Corinthians 10. Praise the Lord. This, I, Pastor Nancy started ministering on this a while back. She ministered here during, what was it, camp meeting? And she had ministered on it in another place maybe a few months before that or something. I, and I got all stirred up. I used to preach on this. I, used, I needed this. When I, came to, when I went to Ramah, you're going to 2 Corinthians 10. Don't let me forget that, all right? When I went to Ramah, I was totally ignorant of the God kind of righteousness. I had never heard about it in church. That's sad. Shouldn't be that way. But when I got to Ramah and I got to righteousness class, many classes, many subjects, but I got to righteousness class and the, the seating assignment, the, the order where you sit in the class, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of people in each class. And so that there's a computer that's assigned seats. It's no, I don't know if there's any, it's just random. You, you, you never could figure out, oh, you're, my last letter, my first letter, my last name's E, you're, okay, so that's how this, you could never figure out how it was working. Um, her last name was Thayer. I was Eberly, and we were sit beside, seated beside one another. There was two times during Rhema that I'm convinced the Holy Ghost got in the computer <laughs> and said, I'm going to arrange a seating assignment. Yeah. For that young Mennonite kid. One was whenever he seated me beside her. The other one was righteousness class. Now, there was two sections. There was an aisle in the middle, two sections. Okay, great big, a lot of people. Uh, and, and there's an aisle all the way down. The podium's here, like, like here. But then, you know, there's this, the first seat here and the first seat here on both sides of the aisle. God put me right here. First seat, first row. Where what he's saying is just boom, boom, boom. Yes, sir. And heaven knows I needed that front row seat. <laughs> I'm so thankful because they're preaching and I'm like, Really? Yeah. That is what that's. No, that can't be. But that's what it says. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'm listening. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> I know me. That can't be so. <laughs> you know? But I knew myself after the flesh. No, no man after the flesh. Yes. All right, 2 Corinthians 10. There has to be a commitment to fight the good fight of faith in this area. What I mean by that is answer all these feelings and all these suggestions. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, we'll go from 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, in other words, we're still down here in this flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want you to notice that word down. Casting, what's the word? Down. Down. Underline that. Imaginations. And every what? High. High thing that exalteth itself. So this is something that lifts itself up. What's it lifting itself up against? Against the knowledge of God. Oh, the knowledge of God includes, we've already looked at some of these verses. It includes the knowledge of our right standing with Him through the blood, through faith in the blood. Isn't that, we've already read that, right? 
every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, if you've never meditated on this passage, you'll see three words that stand out. At least they stand out to me. Uh, imaginations, or, or excuse me, strongholds, first of all. Then second of all, imaginations, and then thoughts. And that, those verses are talking about the realm of the mind, the mentality, imaginations. You know what I'm talking about? And so it's what you, these three things together create what you're aware of. You're living with an awareness of these things. Now, Satan works overtime to hold your awareness in the realm of a lie. You got to know that. There's, there's true knowledge and then there's false knowledge. Yeah. The Bible says there's such a thing as false yeah. knowledge. Yeah. We don't have time to get into it all, but the enemy will lie, 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 lie. I had him do it one time a while back. Just lie, lie, lie. And I had to hold him in the arena of truth yeah. because I knew the truth. Yes, sir. And finally, he gave up and said, uncle. Uh-huh. You know what I mean by that? But he was just trying to convince me over and over again that this wasn't true. But it was true. He's a liar. Yes. So when it says in Hebrews 5.13, are you still with me this morning? When it says become skillful with the word of righteousness, what does that mean? Become skillful at taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the truth of God's word. As a weapon of your warfare. Remember, notice he said there, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Your main weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is yes. the Word, the truth. Yes. Take that truth, take that weapon yeah. of the knowledge of your righteousness yes. against condemnation. Yes. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And every suggestion of the enemy, every feeling... Every impulse, every sensation, and all false knowledge yes. that tells you you're not worthy. Somebody said, I don't deal much with this. You're not paying attention. You're living, see, you're, you're not having problems with something that you never address. If something has never been addressed, then it's dominating you with, without being conscious of it. If you have never brought the sword of the Spirit, the message of righteousness to the condemnation that comes against you, then you're, you're living in a, in, a, in, a, in a, so to speak, you're being dominated by wrong thoughts. You're not even thinking about it. And that's what's keeping you from a strong faith. Amen. Amen. So cast down, listen to this. Every suggestion, every feeling, every sensation, and all false knowledge, address it with the truth. Yes. I mean, pay attention to everything that yeah. comes to your mind. If you pay attention, you'll realize things are coming to your mind constantly. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. The only way you can cast down incorrect knowledge is by educating your mind and your spirit in the correct The only way you can cast down incorrect knowledge is educate your mind and your spirit in the correct knowledge of God's Word. If you're ignorant of the Word of righteousness, you can't cast down the lie of guilt. 
Now, we've already talked about the repentance part. I'm not talking about if, you, if your spirit is telling you that that was wrong. We've already talked about repentance has its place. What I'm talking about now is after that happens, and he's cleansed you of all unrighteousness according to the knowledge of the word, there's going to be a, this thing's going to try to follow you around and hound you. You know, you're going to, this, this, you're, you messed up so bad. You're not worthy. People sometimes live under that for days or weeks, or sometimes they never get over it. I remember whenever I was saved, how the burden of sin, you know, lifted off of me. But the very next day, my brothers, I did something and my brothers irritated me or something. And I spouted off at them. And my brother said, he's just used with the devil. My brother said, if you had really gotten saved, you wouldn't have acted that way. A cloud, a dark cloud. I could feel it almost physically. Came on me and stayed on me until righteousness class. Oppression. It was an oppression. Oh, I got, I got to get going here. So if you're ignorant of the word of righteousness, you can't cast down the false feelings. Now, I needed to repent, to, you know, and I did, but you know what I said to my brother, but I still had that oppression. The enemy seeks to deceive us through feelings. Amen. Some people have lived under this their whole life and they're not even aware they've lived under it. This is where insecurity comes from. This is where inferiority complexes come from. People say, I don't know why. I'm just, I'm just insecure. I'll tell you why. Never been established in righteousness. All right. So he's, he's trying to deceive through feelings. And so notice this pull down, casting down. Notice this high things that exalt themselves. The word high thing in the Greek is the Greek word we get our word hype from. Every hyped thing. The enemy takes certain communications and hypes them. Yes, he does. You're not worthy. You're not, you're, you've messed up too bad. God, no, God won't bless you. He doesn't love you. You know. Blah, 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 blah. And he keeps hyping it, hyping it, hyping it. It's like the news media does when it does when they want to lie to everybody. Hype, 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 hype. Push it, push it, puff it up, puff it up, puff it up, puff it up. And and two years later they find out the whole thing was a lie. Except if you know the Holy Ghost, you know when it's a lie, even whenever they're talking. I'm talking to somebody this morning. The devil hypes it, hypes it, hypes it, hypes it, hypes it, talks it, talks it, keeps on pushing it, keeps on saying it, brings the feelings, brings people along to say the same thing he's saying. When it's all a lie, it's all hype. I'm preaching good, I'll tell you that. There are, these are hyped up narratives that lift or exalt themselves as true, but they are a lie. They vaunt themselves against the knowledge of God's word. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. We know the truth. Yes, we do. The accuser of the brother, and he's laying things to your charge. Remember Romans 8:33? He said, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's life? He's trying to charge you with something. Guilty, guilty, guilty. When that's not true. If it's been put under the blood, not true. 
lie, 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 lie. And you got to become, uh, you know, when it's, we talk about being skillful with the word righteousness, you got to be good at taking the message of the truth of God's word along this line and addressing those feelings and addressing those thoughts. Amen. Hallelujah. Are we going to be able to do it? Yes. Turn your ear towards God. Turn your ear toward what the blood is saying. This accusing voice is talking. But Hebrews 12, 24 says that the blood of Jesus speaks better things than that of Abel's. The blood, see, yes, Satan's talking, but the blood is talking too. It's saying something much better than Abel's blood. Now, you got to go back to the Old Testament to know what he's talking about. Remember whenever Cain killed Abel, the Bible says that God came on the scene and says, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? You know, he's acting like he doesn't know. And, and God said, well, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. His blood was talking. Remember the Bible said the life is in the blood? That, that blood was speaking to God. Now, it, that, this verse says it was talking to God. So what was it saying? Well, it was talking about, it was saying to God, there has been an injustice done. Yeah. And uh, uh, someone is guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, somebody must pay the penalty for this. Yeah. Yeah. That was Abel's blood. Yeah. Well, the blood of Jesus speaks something better than that. Yeah. It's yeah. not speaking before God. It is before God right now. But it's not speaking before God of your guilt. It's speaking before God of your justification. Now, this, this, oh my, my, there's so much here. I, I'm out of time. This whole scene is taking place at the, at the courtroom of heaven. The accuser is coming and he's making accusations and saying guilty. The witness of the blood. Remember the Bible said we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's talking about our faith in the blood. In other words, we're to put our faith and say this in the blood and say the same thing the blood's saying at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, God is the judge. He's the righteous judge. The Bible calls him the righteous judge of all the earth. That means he cannot pervert justice. Now, listen to me very carefully. Hear this and hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. Since he's the righteous judge and cannot pervert justice, he cannot punish someone for a crime twice. Amen. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I, I did it. I'm guilty. You put that through faith in the blood, you put that over under the penalty that Jesus took in your place. Yes. Yes. Amen. That punishment that was due to you was transferred over to the work that Jesus did on the cross. And the Bible said, Paul said, I was crucified with him. So in the eyes of God, I pay, when I put my faith in the blood and I put my faith in Jesus' death, burial and resurrection from my, on, on my behalf, then what was done was my, God transferred my, he, he applied all that Jesus did to me. And so in God's eyes, I already paid the price for that. Already paid. Already paid. Are you here? And God, the righteous judge of the earth, cannot punish someone for a crime twice. Even in our legal system today, that's un- they don't allow you to do that. Because it's not right. God's right. Part of what righteousness means is he is righteous. But part of what righteousness means is he's right about things. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. 
And he won't, he, he, the devil, he'll say, you're guilty. And Jesus said, price has already been paid. Price has already, you put your faith in the blood. And so the price has been paid. So you get to go free because you've already paid the price. Whoa. Ah, there's freedom right there. There's freedom right there. Now, if you don't get it under the blood, okay, you're going to have to pay the price for that. How many of you prefer getting it under the blood? <laughs> oh, glory be to God. He's the righteous judge of all the earth. He will not pervert justice. My, my, my. If that doesn't free you up, you got to meditate on that. Meditate. If that's just how real it needs to become to you that all the penalty has been paid. Now, all the transactions took place. Yeah. For, for the remission of your sin. Yes. God wrote a record down in heaven of, of all the trans, transactions that were, that were done to secure your redemption and remission of sin. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote it all down and he sent it to earth in the form of the Bible. Yeah. 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 Yes. So when the devil comes and he says, guilty, guilty, you got to get out a record of the transactions that were made and bring that to the high court of heaven. It is written. It is written. It is written. And the devil says, well, I got a document too. I'm going to pull out. In fact, I got a video I want to play. And he brings in the recorder and he pushes play. And nothing comes up. Because it's been wiped clean. Except the big words come up, dripping with blood, paid in full. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's where we stand before God right now. What boldness that gives you in the presence of God. It's as if none of that ever happened. I believe we need to dig around in this some more. There's so much here. So much freedom for us here. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of the word this morning? Paid in full. Somebody said, the devil's talking, the devil's talking. Well, if you listen, the blood is too. If you listen. It's not as boisterous as the devil's. The de you know, bullies are boisterous. They're just, they're just real loud. But, but the blood's talking. It might not be as talking as loud. But it's talking. Learn to listen to the right voice. Learn to listen to the right voice. Uh, you, you know, that'll take you a long ways in life. Just learning to listen to the right voice. Hallelujah. Praise God. The blood is preaching. The blood is preaching something. It's preaching not guilty. Can you say amen? Stand with me to your feet. The blood preaches not guilty. It preaches comfort to your, the, to the harassment of the enemy tries to harass your soul. It preaches peace to you. It preaches comfort to your mind and your emotions. Amen. It preaches not guilty. Why don't you start saying the same thing the blood says? Hallelujah. Because that's really what the good fight of faith is. In a court case, if the person accused keeps saying what the prosecutor says, and they look to the prosecutor for what they should say on the stand, the judge can't do anything about it. 
So you got to keep listening to your, see, Jesus is your attorney for the defense. What do I say? And he'll pull out the record paid in full. He'll pull out the record and it'll say, you'll be overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Remember in that context that it says Satan and the angels fought and the the devil prevailed not, prevailed not. You, you, you get good at the good fight of faith to where he doesn't win these things. He's already defeated, but he'll, he'll try to beat you in with a lie. Some court cases are not won because the side that won was right. The whole world knows O.J. Simpson did it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Some court cases are not won because the side that won was right. They were won because they, they did a better job in court. You know it's true. So you need to get real good. Whenever he's accusing and he's bringing his, and he'll, he'll manipulate, and he's, he, he's crafty. You need to get real good at, at standing your ground and answering things. Oh, hallelujah. Thy sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Listen to this. Isaiah 54, 14. I just can't leave without saying it. In right, Isaiah 54, 14. In righteousness thou shalt be established. He's talking about the knowledge of it. Thou shalt be far from oppression. I said that a while ago about that dark cloud came on me the day after I got saved. It was an oppression. I read this verse one day. He said, the Lord said, that's what came on you the day day after you got saved. But he said, the reason was because you weren't established in the message of righteousness. You had nothing to answer with. The accusations came and you just buckled because you didn't have any of this. You didn't have the truth in you. And so I lived with that oppression. Listen to it again. In righteousness thou shalt be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression. Thou shalt not fear and from terror for it shall not come near thee. The oppression he's speaking here of is the accusations of the accuser. That voice was able to get oppression in my mind because there was nothing, my mind was not renewed with the truth and there was nothing there to answer those those oppressive thoughts with. But that has changed. I said that has changed. Hallelujah. I started learning how to cast down every high thing, every hyped up lie. And I prevailed, not by bare knuckling it, but through the truth. Remember the Bible said, so mightily grew the word and prevailed. You get this word in you, pour it in you, pour it in you. It'll prevail over all feelings of unworthiness and condemnation. And you can get like I got to. What do I mean by that? Remember I said if people didn't like me, it used to be people didn't like me. I felt bad for myself. Now I feel bad for them. Come on, somebody, because they're missing a great blessing. Oh, how arrogant. No, how believing the truth that is. Somebody say amen. Praise God. 
The work of righteousness, Isaiah 32, 17. The work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness. Quietness and assurance forever. Notice the knowledge of your right standing with God is going to have an effect on you. And he said it's peace, quietness, assurance, freedom from oppression, freedom from fear. All those verses. We read those two verses, Isaiah 54 and Isaiah 32. Meditate on those. Well, if you're anywhere near oppression, you're not established in the word of righteousness. Or you're not good at, like Hebrews said, Hebrews 5.13, the word of righteousness. You're not good at taking that word with the sword of the Spirit against the feelings and so forth. Let's get good at it. What do you say? Hallelujah. Don't, don't stew in your juices where you are now. Go ahead, go ahead and, and say, I'm going to get good at this. Hallelujah. I think it was E.W. Kenyon said, if you were aware of your righteousness, faith would flow at flood tide. Faith would flow at flood tide. Hallelujah.